Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, we have a wonderful guest with us today. Our guest is Amanda Love. Now, Amanda has a long history of illness, which culminated in the diagnosis of fibromyalgia in 2010 when she was about age 20. Now, she had had problems from infancy all the way to the age of 20 of being very ill. She would like recover for brief periods of time only to be struck back down again about every four to six weeks. Then she fell into what she calls the pit, which I'm sure as she's going to explain and as listeners, as you're understanding and hearing what she's saying, because I've already read more information about Amanda, you're going to understand and relate to what she describes as the pit. At this point, when she was in the pit, these new round of specialists started becoming involved, trying to help her. So here you got a rheumatologist, you have a physical therapist, a chiropractor, an ENT, wellness facilities, a pain center, acupuncturist, all these people coming on board trying to help. And even after all of these consultations, Amanda still had no answers and felt no better. And joining her in the pit was frustration pain, exhaustion, discouragement, anxiety, and depression. And then people come along and say, hey, I'll give you some pain medication. That'll help. Or I have some massage oil. That'll help. Or you have to try this immune boosting diet. That'll help. Well, none of that really helped Amanda very much. And so she struggled and she overcome. And now She's the host of the podcast, Physical Emotional Health Secrets. And this podcast has reached over 130 episodes, and that's amazing. She's also been featured guest on over 70 podcasts and TV shows such as Biz TV. She's also been a speaker at many summits and panels across the country. And she is now the co-author of a book called Trauma to Triumph. Amanda, Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad you're willing to spend some of your time to talk with me and my listeners about your journey. So kind of if you wouldn't mind, you know, take some time and take us back and sort of help us understand what that was like for you. You read what was in what I talk about in my episode two is like my story. And it's all about being in like the pit of despair. I had a grandmother who got me better because she would take me to all the doctor's appointments. So when I was thinking of like starting my podcast, that was her idea to come up with that whole pit story, which actually I haven't really, I haven't really shared it like that. So that was a cool way to introduce me, which I haven't had before. I was super sick. Like I said, in that story, one thing I didn't mention in that whole little story, that's my short version of my story, was I was born six weeks early. So right away, I was sick. And and so at one point, my parents divorced when I was six. My dad remarried when I was eight. 
So there was a lot of trauma going on in that household. Just not, it wasn't any physical abuse, but there was a lot of emotional abuse. I tell people there was a lot of lectures suppressing my emotions. I tell people like if I spoke up, I was the child who would get in trouble because I was the oldest. I have a sister who's two years younger and then she had two kids. So her kids, my dad actually started dating her while she was pregnant with her second and it wasn't his kid. And she was going through a divorce. So for me, there was a lot of like, why am I getting in trouble? I never got in trouble at school. I was a good kid. and I would, But I would always get in trouble at my dad's house. And there was a lot of like emotional lectures and stuff like that. So when I was about 14, we left California and we moved to Arizona. But before that, the year before, there was a lot of courts that got involved. And I was just sick all the time. You said there was a lot of courts, like the legal system? Yeah, the legal system. Yeah, the legal custody issues? Uh, Yeah, there was custody issues where the fact that my grandmother and my mom, who actually raised me, were like, okay, she's not a very nice person We don't and stuff like that, but... The courts actually at one point, they were like, got my mom and my stepmom confused. And there was going to be, because they both have the same name as Kim. Oh my goodness. My It was my school because I was going to a private school at the time. I think they got something confused and stuff like that. I, my sister and I were getting abused when it was actually the uh, my stepmom and that type of thing. So they thought that your mom was abusing you, but it was not that. It was that you were going through some emotional abuse from your stepmom. I don't really know the details. Like, nobody really told me the details. Um, So the fact was my dad almost got more custody, like visitation rights. But they, at one point, we had to, from going every single Sunday to my dad's, um, it went from every other weekend but it would be from like Saturday morning to like Sunday night. So we would have to spend the night, which had never happened before. And there was times when my dad would have work. And so then we were just left with my stepmom and and she had to go through like parenting classes from the courts at one point. Mm. And there was counseling that me and my sister had to do. I think we did it only like twice or something I found out later on like we were going to a church that was like 30 minutes away mm-hmm. because they want my dad and my stepmom wanted to go to a church where they could learn how to like blend families but um it was just a lot for someone who's only like eight nine ten years old 13 years old in that age where it's just okay you're supposed to be able to be able to feel safe. And I never felt safe. So I would be so sick that I would like, I wouldn't go out of the, I wouldn't go sometimes. I wouldn't go. Like he would come pick us up and my sister would go and I wouldn't go because I refused and stuff. Like you were, you said you were two years older than your sister, right? Yeah. I'm exactly two years and a day older. My sister's, my birthday is January 5th and my sister's is January 6th. So. Okay. 
You know, I wanted to take a moment here and and kind of comment on some of the things that you've been sharing so far, because I know my listeners are relating who have been through childhood traumatic situations like this, where when we're kids, we don't have any control. And I know there's people listening that have those and they're, they're hearing you thinking, yeah, that I know exactly what you mean. That was me. Because when we're children, we're at the, the mercy of whatever parents are raising us and they may be healthy or they may not be healthy. And then when you get the divorce and then you get blended families and you get step parents involved, it gets even hairier. So then you have a child that's, you know, you said you never felt safe. And so I'm thinking this is going to be interesting to hear you talk about how a lot of this probably came out physically in you because you didn't know how you said earlier that you didn't feel comfortable expressing yourself verbally, that that wasn't a safe thing to do. So here you were with all these feelings and all this uh, trauma going on, but you, you could not externalize it. So it was just in your body. One of the big things I tell people is I think for me at that age, I was very like shy and stuff like that for my sister. And my grandma has said this for many years. She's well, it totally changed my sister. And the fact that my sister supposedly, I don't remember this because I was tuning up. Supposedly my sister was an outgoing child and it totally changed her to now where my sister would probably say she's like shy and quiet. Okay. For me, I don't think I was ever outgoing, but I think it probably made me more quieter than I probably would have been, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. It's only in like the last couple of years where I've started to open up with people and that's still not as always easy for me to do. So when I do it with somebody and they hurt me, then it really, really hurts. Is what I'm hearing you say is you feel vulnerable. It's like when yeah. you're, you're kind of sharing things, you're you're vulnerable when you're doing that. I'm very open person now. And so when I share, it, it's not just to share. But when I, growing up every Sunday, it'd be like, or every other weekend, depending on when it was like that time I was going through that, my mom and my grandmother would be like, okay, we're going to make you cookies. We're going to make you like have a relaxing bath. Cause they were really like, you guys are so stressed out. Your bodies are so tense. Like they wanted us to like relax. Cause we would be so stressed out from coming home. Mm. Right. And I remember counting down hours and because I just wanted to leave that house that they were living in and just get the weekend over with. Hmm. So you go through your weeks, which at school can be fairly stressful. Now, were you in a public school? Were you in a private school? Were you being uh, homeschooled? What was going on with you during the week? I went to a public school all the way up to like fourth grade. Then I switched over to a private Christian school. That was really a small school. Like there was like 10 kids just because I always struggled with school. So I was always the one, my sister school came easy for her. And I was the one where I was like, okay, I needed tutoring for reading. I need tutoring for math. Writing didn't come easy. So I always had all of that. And then like seventh grade, 
it just wasn't working anymore because it was like mixed ages. Like they were younger, right? I was like 13 at the time and there were some eight-year-olds or something I remember. And I was like, this doesn't feel right anymore. So I, my grandma was like, okay, we'll switch you over to like a Christian middle school. And so like the last couple months of the school year, I switched over, but I ended up actually getting held back. So I went back to like sixth grade and then I went to seventh grade for like, whatever, six months all the way up to December. And then that's when we decided that was like when we moved to Southern Arizona. So what was the move like for you? I haven't thought about the move in so long. Um, The move was fine. Well, I do remember the last, my dad said to say, came to say goodbye and I didn't come out. Mm. I didn't come out. My sister went down and stuff like that. And she went to say goodbye and I didn't come out. Um, supposedly my step, my stepmom was there and the kids, her kids at the time were super little cause they're like six, eight years younger than me. And I was 14, almost 14. It was a month before my 14th. So I didn't come out and I remember people being like, well, the kids were really sad that you didn't come out. When you look back at it now, you know, I think a lot of times we'll do things and we look back in our mind's eye and feel good that we made the right choice. Or sometimes we feel like if I had to do it over again, I might do something differently that this memory seems like it's pretty pronounced for you. So like when you look back at that, do you feel like as your 14 year old self that that's what, you know, you didn't want to go out or, you know, how do you feel about that today? That's an interesting question because I haven't even thought of this memory in so long. I think for me, I think at the time I was protecting myself because I had, and I think that's the thing for me was I was protecting myself from being hurt. And I mean, for me, I, I feel like at that time, I think that's what I wanted. I needed, that's all I felt like I needed to do. Well, I just want to kind of toss in here real quickly that what happens sometimes is for all of us is that we do try to protect ourselves from being hurt in different situations. And sometimes people around us don't understand what we're doing or why, and they criticize. See, basically what you did when you were 14, you set a boundary. You said, I need to protect myself because that's what boundaries are about. Yeah. They're about they're about protect, ma- making sure that we're safe. Right. And so you set a boundary and you decided you were not going to go out there. But sometimes when we do that, other people don't like our boundary. And sometimes we get criticized for setting boundaries. It's, but it sounds like you were trying to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And it was perfectly fine to do that. When we moved out of Arizona, I mean, out of, not Arizona, out of California, it was a lot of setting boundaries for myself I think even at a young age so how were your high school years I went to middle school and stuff like that and I did a public high school then I went into high school and I went to a public school for like half the year but I just struggled with school 
So I need more of that like smaller classroom aspect. And so then I went to a charter school for the other half of my freshman year. And then eventually I just went to a private Christian school for the last three years of high school. High school was fine. I just struggled with school a lot. I was just constantly sick. I was sick every four to six weeks. I don't remember high school like as this joyous thing. I remember I do I did have friends. I did speech, like an academic decathlon thing at one point. I did drama at one point, but like I don't really remember high school too much, if that makes sense. And I'm only 32. It was fine and stuff like that. It wasn't anything like super special about high school. I think a lot of it was just, I was just always sick. When we're dealing with chronic illnesses, it's so hard to have any kind of motivation or enough physical energy to engage in activities. We're just not, I mean, when we don't have enough energy, we're feeling bad physically. It's like we may want, we want to want to, but we don't because we're just, we're sick. And see, the thing of it is other people they don't, especially like with a fibromyalgia, and I'll, I'm going to tell you something about that here in just a minute, an experience that I went through, but there's so many symptoms that other people don't see. It's not like you're walking around with a cast on your arm or no. a brace on your back to fix scoliosis or, you know, something, you don't have like stitches. I mean, people can't see it, but yet you're, you're struggling so much. I can remember years ago when I was in my, I think late 20s, middle, late 20s. I worked in a hospital in the psychology department. And at that time, that's when the diagnosis of fibromyalgia was just coming on the scene. And they used to say how they would diagnose somebody was when their chart was about three inches thick, full of all the tests that these poor people have had to go through. And all the tests were negative. Once their chart was about three inches thick and they couldn't find out what was wrong with them and all the tests they had to go through were all negative, then they diagnosed them with fibromyalgia. It was this new diagnosis at the time. And these poor people had had to go through, oh my gosh, hundreds and hundreds of tests and lab work and all this kind of stuff, plus people not believing them. People saying, it's all in your head, you're making this all up. And so that was so hard for them to deal with that. Yeah, and I think that's the thing with fibromyalgia is that you go from doctor to doctor and you are like, I don't have the answers. And like when I went through my whole experience, like I graduated high school and I did a personal training program. As soon as I completed that program, like two weeks later, I turned 20 and all of a sudden I was so sick. I was in so much pain. My body just hurts so bad. We went to one of the top rheumatology places. This was in Mesa, Arizona. This is like one of the top places in the country, supposedly. And all they were like, here's a brochure that explains what fibromyalgia is, which really didn't explain it. And they're like, take the medication and do physical therapy was their answer. So what did you find out was was better for you? Because I know that's part of what your excitement and your passion of why you kind of started, you know, doing podcasting and stuff was you found something that worked much better for you. I tell people this is a big thing is that your 
Hal's journey is individualized. Um, so, but my thing was when I found that wellness chiropractor, my grandmother found him. Newspaper clipping said wellness taught by wellness chiropractor 10 minutes away. This was in Gilbert, Arizona. He's still in Gilbert, Arizona. And he's like, well, if your granddaughter has fibromyalgia and she's only 20, she's been very sick a long time. And that was like, my grandma was like, that's a light bulb moment she has told me in the past. She passed. It'll be coming up two years uh, this August. That was finding out, okay, I have food sensitivities. So I have a very high gluten sensitivity. Both parents gave me that. I have a soy sensitivity, egg sensitivity, dairy sensitivity. And I've been off of those for 10 years. He also did cortisol testing, saliva testing like that. And I also tell people, you have to figure out your sleep. You have to figure out your relationships. You have to deal with the trauma, which we've been talking about, right? And that's something I'm working on right now because I'm still dealing with some childhood trauma and forgiving people that have hurt me in the past. And that's something I have to do with somebody. Actually, I have to do that this weekend. I have to write out some things because I have to forgive somebody recently. So there's just a lot you could do to improve your health. And that's why I tell people one size does not fit all. That's a hundred percent true. Um, that's a, such a good point you bring up. But I think it's it's so wonderful for you to come on and to share your experience because I know that there's listeners out there in my Phoenix and Flame community that they're kind of walking the path that you were walking, or maybe maybe they have a child who is going through some harshness, and they can maybe look at their child and think, "My gosh, maybe I need to get her or him some." some help so that they don't have to push all their stress and their trauma inside their body. And I told my patients before that, you know, our stress and our trauma, it's going to be expressed one way or another. And we can either do it on our own and try to get with a therapist and and express it verbally, get it out that way, or it's going to go inside our body and it's going to come out on its own. And that way it's not comfortable. It's not comfortable letting your stress and your trauma express itself in your body. Yeah, it's not comfortable. And I think that's the thing too. People are like, it's your stress is like, we're all so stressed out right now. Everybody Mm -hmm. is dealing with so much stress. We don't know what's going to happen and stuff in our lives. And that's the thing too. So we bottle up those emotions and... I was doing that also, and this is not just when I was going through my health stuff, but it was also recently where I'm just, yeah, I'm stressed out. I'm dealing with some stuff. I've only been here less than a year. So it was all like, okay, I got to let that stress out, but I also have to be talking to people more. And it's hard when you're new and you you don't know who to trust. It's hard. And the person you think that you could trust the most is like sort of you realize you're not sure if you can anymore. And that's what I was figuring out in the last couple months. And mm-hmm. so it's hard to be like, okay, how can I open myself up to people? But you have to keep opening yourself up to people and find 
experts who could help you deal with that trauma. So I'm wondering if some of the things that you're sharing right now about that, are these some things that you include in the book, Trauma to Triumph? So last year, I was asked to be part of like a summit. And so I was part of like an online summit with all these different people. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be like a book. So I wrote a book chapter and then everybody else wrote their chapter. And this chapter is telling my story. But I also talk about what are the lessons I've learned from just what I teach. Like, what lessons have I learned? Okay, I've learned that you need to have a friend in your life that makes you laugh. And I wrote something like, I have a friend who makes me laugh and came into my life when, like, my grandmother had passed. Like, he had come into my life a few months before, right? I mean, a few months after she passed. That's the person now I think I might be not be able to trust so that's sort of weird thing that he's in that book but um (laughs) but like I'm just like and some other things too he's also done my 100 episode with me so if anyone listens to that 100 episode he's also did that 100 episode with me so it's a lot of just a lot of weirdness isn't that life a lot of weirdness that's well I mean like uh... it's it's just (laughs) Like, it's interesting because you're like, okay, the book talks about like my lessons, but it also teaches like, I think I talk about like three tools, I say, that I use as a registered holistic nutritionist, but it's all about, okay, maybe my story doesn't resonate with someone, but some little part might resonate with you or somebody else's story might resonate with you too, right? And Mm -hmm. That's what I talk about is, yeah, our stories need to be heard. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I just want to kind of throw in a little comment here about that guy that you were talking about. I think it's important for all of us to realize that people in our lives, that we have a right to reevaluate their health. I mean, are they are they helping us? Are they hurting us? I mean, sometimes people go through different phases in their life different seasons and they might be okay for us in one season, but then we might change or they might change. And there might be another season where the relationship is no longer helpful and we have the right to reevaluate people and make that decision. Yeah. It's interesting because you have to reevaluate people. And back in March, I was, I don't know. I was, I just feel like I need to take a break from this person and then something happened like the next day and okay this is weird but now I'm looking back okay this needed to happen but it was rough I was super this person like for me I opened up and I shared some stuff and just some of the things that came like he said back that doesn't make any sense anymore to me why would you say we're not friends that was pretty hard and brutal. Mm-hmm. I thought we were at least friends. And he said we were like business connections. I'm like, what, what's been going on? What have we talked about for the last year and a half? So <laughs> there's just things that were confusing to me and they're still confusing to me. Also, I realized I was putting him in a place that he didn't want to be in. 
I wanted a closer relationship and he didn't want that. So also realizing that. Yeah. I mean, I think what you're pointing out is that relationships are confusing and they're changing. And, you know, sometimes the other person is setting a boundary and sometimes we're setting a boundary and they always continue to change. And I think my listeners are, have experienced that as well of just meeting different people and having different people come in their lives and kind of feeling that ebb and flow of sometimes they want to pull somebody closer. Sometimes they want to push somebody farther away. And sometimes somebody's doing that to them. Now, let me ask you, our, our time here is about, about wrapped up, but I did want to ask you, there was a question that you had yeah. set out that you're prepared to answer. And it said, why do you believe that mindset is so important? I feel like mindset is so important because you're, if your mindset's not in a great place, then you're going you're gonna to sabotage yourself and do the things that you don't want to be doing. Um, your health is such a big thing, but if you're not in the mindset that you want to get well, and you have to have a big reason for why, not not to look skinny, because that's not what health is about. It's about feeling well. It's about feeling good so you could be there for your nieces or your grandchildren. I have two nieces. So I tell people this, if I hadn't gotten well, and I just went to Arizona like a few weeks ago. I wouldn't have been able to play with my niece who's turning three next month. Or I wouldn't have been able to play hide and seek with her or read her a book without exhausting myself, right? Or I wouldn't have been able to hold the three-month-old, right? I have a three-month-old, also niece, and her name's Charlotte. And so I wouldn't have been able to hold her for like whatever, 20 minutes or whatever. I mean, I do have to admit I was sore <laughs> when I woke up and I work out and I take care of myself but I mean I was sore why am I so sore and I'm like it's probably because I was holding like a Charlotte's pretty like heavy she's like 15 pounds my sister said I mean mm-hmm. the three-year-old almost three-year-old is I was swinging her around and I was holding her also when you were able to do that because of your mindset, because you decided, like you just said, that you put your head in a space where you wanted to get healthy. Like you said, that you didn't sabotage yourself. And I'm just bringing that up because I talk to people that do sabotage themselves. And you had, you know, you had another question on here that I loved and says, why is self-care so important? And it's like, from, from a psychologist standpoint, it's a demonstration. It's a, it's an example of someone loving themselves. Yeah. It's an example of someone saying, you know what? I matter. I matter. And I'm go- my mindset is going to be, I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to set my boundaries and I'm going to try to eat right and exercise and, you know, go to therapy if I need to go to therapy or do whatever I need to do because I matter. And I'm the one that gets to make that choice because sometimes we're in positions where people in our lives are not treating us well. But we're the ones that have to decide that we matter. And I think that helps to change, you know, that mindset. So before we wrap up today, is there any like website or anything you want my listeners to be on the lookout for or to go to to get more information about you? So I'm redoing my website. So everyone could just join my Facebook group, which is Physical Emotional Health Secrets. The podcast is actually the same thing. And that's just like, I talk about my story. I have guest experts on that show just to talk about what 
they're expert at also. And I do talk about boundaries with that guy. So that's an interesting. And that was episode like 79, I believe. It's a full circle type of thing. I feel like there's a lot of great episodes for people to check out. It sounds like it'll be fantastic. Amanda, I appreciate you so much spending your time and really being willing to be vulnerable and sharing some things about your past yeah. and, and and how you've kind of overcome so much and that it's it's a journey and we keep making this journey. Phoenix and Flame community, guys, I know you've heard some things today that, that have touched you and, and maybe you've heard yourself and some of Amanda's story. Just go to her her Facebook page, The Physical Emotional Health Secrets. Listen, go to the podcast, listen to some of those episodes. Share this episode on your favorite social media platforms, whichever one you like. If there's a friend or family or coworker that you feel like really needs to hear what Amanda has had to share today, then, you know, send them the link, put it, send it to them through texting, send it to them through email, however you want to do that. We need to really reach out and, and care about one another and really, you know, grow our Phoenix and Flame community because we're all humans and we're all walking this path together. And that's why I love having so many wonderful guests on the podcast because we get to hear different people's uh, journeys and know that we are in fact not alone. So Amanda, thank you. And I am Dana and this is my podcast, Phoenix and Flame. <laughs>